All right, joining us on the program once again is uh, Gil Medavoy, whose program comes to you on KDVS every Saturday, Crossing Continents. And uh, if you haven't heard it, you certainly should. Uh, Gil's done some wonder. It started out with a music program and has extended into his viewpoint of what's going on in uh, in the Middle East that he grew up in. Gil, welcome back. Thank you. And. Um, and the story that has caught my eye that I wanted you to talk about, that I, I'm sure you've you know, got a lot of contacts over there, is the story of Mordecai Venunu. Uh, he basically served 18 years in uh, Israeli prison, much of it in solitary confinement, for the crime of telling the world about the fact that Israel had a nuclear program. Yeah, this is uh, an issue that when you go up in Israel, it's, it's pretty clear, you know, when I was growing up, when I... Um, kind of got a sense of, you know, some of the political issues that were um, very much an everyday menu. You know, when you go down past Be'er Sheva and there's this um, very strange construction, um, you know, it became very clear that this is what was happening. So I'm really talking about, you know, um, late 60s, early 70s. Now, everybody had their suspicions, right? I mean, it was like people knew there was there was nuclear activity going on. Yeah, yeah, people knew, you know, you didn't need to be anywhere close to the security apparatus. I mean, everyday people knew that things were going on. Right. Well, I, I recommended on the show a couple of weeks ago Seymour Hersh's excellent book, The Samson Option, which pretty much outlines everything you'd want to know about the Israeli nuclear program. Mm-hmm. I mean, it goes into great detail about it. And it just struck me as I remember when this happened 18 years ago. Vanunu was basically spirited away from the from the United Kingdom. He was talking, I think, to the Guardian. Yeah, it was actually from Italy. He was kind of lured into Italy from London. Okay, yeah. And then he okay, was, and yeah. I guess the Mossad snatched him. Well, there's a sort of interesting twist to that. Uh, apparently, one of the uh, statements that Vanunu made after he was released. Um, was uh, an indication that it was actually the woman who lured him or tempted him to uh, follow her uh, was actually not an Israeli, and he actually stated American security services. I did uh, not know that. Yeah, that was uh, a statement that I think was only published in Israeli papers in Hebrew. And wow. I haven't noticed it in, you know, definitely not the American media. And and this is um, an interesting because there were quite a few commentaries after that to that effect. You know, what does it mean? You know, and how much um, the American administration now is concerned about Vanunu coming here? And you know that his adoptive family uh, from Minnesota, which is where he was hoping to go to. Now he's still he's still not able to leave Israel for three more years because of the supposedly the national security issue. That's right. Well, what what national security issues is at stake? Everybody now knows there's an Israeli nuclear program. Maybe it's partly have to do with what happened to Israeli you know society in a whole, especially in the last three and a half years. If you talk about morality and what happened to people. Uh, another issue that uh, is um, very much related to the Vanunu case. There was a survey in um, Ma'ariv, which is a daily paper in Israel, one of the largest ones. And they asked the public what they think should be done with Vanunu now that he's out. And one of the options that they offered to people was to kill him. 
when you talk about you know supposedly a democratic society, you kind of wonder how an editor of one of the major papers in Israel can offer to the public that as an option, because in Israel there's no death penalty. Shades of Salman Rushdie. Yeah, um, there's no death penalty in Israel, so the court, the heaviest sentence would be in life without parole. Yeah. But here, you know, and this really brought to people what happened with Rabin. We should remind the public that is that is the Israeli Prime Minister uh, Yitzhak Rabin was assassinated by basically right-wing elements. Correct. A person who now serves time in jail, you know, but there were already rumors flying about him being released earlier. And again, there's some, you know, part of the political game, and uh, clearly he's connected with the settlement movement in Israel, though I don't, I cannot recall specifically, you know, if he was actually living on a settlement, uh, but the people that basically pushed him, at least, you know, mentally, if not physically, um, who convinced him to take that act, um, uh, playing behind the scenes, and clearly Sharon has um, very strong connections and affiliations with the settlers movement. Yeah, Gil, that, that's a point that it, this, we probably should should mention to people if, they don't, if they're not aware of the fact that, that the President uh, Ariel Sharon was really one of the prime movers behind this effort to put a lot of settlers into what are occupied territories. Yeah, he's, he's basically the, the father of uh, the settler movement in, in occupied territories. And that was throughout his political, you know, history since the um, since the 70s, really, um, starting with uh, a minister of agriculture and later uh, the building and construction minister. Um, throughout his career, he was very much behind the settler movement and pushing for the creation of new settlements and expanding of settlements that are existing now. Well, as long as we're talking about that, put put Vanunu aside for a moment. What's your take on um, pulling out of Gaza, which 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 Sharon's now talking about? Well, I think what's what's missing in the international media, especially, is the fact that, and this is also going to one article that was um, written by Tanya Reinhardt, who's a, a professor at the Tel Aviv University. Uh, linguistic professor who also has been a commentator. She wrote a book about the Israeli-Palestinian conflict and how to end the conflict. Um, very active, especially in the last 10 years or so, on uh, finding ways to resolve the conflict. Um, and apparently some of the more crucial details of the whole unilateral, supposedly unilateral, um, pullback from Gaza um, really left a lot of uh, open doors for um, the Israeli administration to go in and to the, for the Israeli army to go in and actually, you know, control the area. So, so you, don't, you don't see this really being a lot of progress? No, no, okay. I'm not. And, you know, on top of that, I mean, the Likud for now really doesn't back Sharon on that. There was a vote and they don't support, you know, the, the whole move. Right. So now Sharon is you know, basically scrambling to come up with some sort of a, a different plan, you know, trying to word it a little differently. Um, and this is really the first time that he is facing an opposition from the settlers' movement, yeah. which is very interesting, and to see how that would 
evolve, you know, as, you know, there's really no negotiations there, there's really no considerations of, you know, human rights. The whole aspect of, you know, Palestinian lives in Gaza, I don't see it as being um, an opening to improvement. Yeah. Uh, if anything, you know, it's probably going to legitimize a lot of the actions of the Israeli army. Now, if that plan would have taken place, is to say now we're no longer uh, controlling the area, but if there's some terrorist activities that we suspect is going on, we're going to go in, we're going to blow up houses again, um, we're going to do targeted assassinations, and nobody's going to condemn us because we're no longer in control, we're no longer occupying that piece of land. Yeah. So it's very much given a carte blanche, you know, to Israel to go in and do whatever they want, you know, yeah. without, you know, pointing the finger. Do you think in an election year that the Israelis are figuring that they, they, they could possibly lose their ally, George Bush, in the White House and they better move now to be a little bit more aggressive? Do you see any of that? I think Bush is trying to maneuver now. There were some steps that were taken by uh, some of his advisors. Uh, supposedly, Condoleezza Rice is going to meet with uh, Ahmed Kareya, the Palestinian um, prime minister. This is the first time in months that they showed any willingness to meet with any Palestinian figure. Uh, and then Colin Powell is supposed to meet with Jordan, uh, some of the leaders of the Arab countries in the region, uh, trying to basically appease um, the the notion that U.S. is is no longer um, could play any role of a peacemaker um, in yeah. the area, which is uh, really what what basically happened. You know, now that Sharon and Bush made that statement, making clear where the U.S. administration stands, um, which is pretty much to back no, Sharon. Yeah. And I noticed also that he's, you know, headline of the Sacramento Bee, uh, April 24th. Sharon backs off on pledge on Arafat. Israeli leader says he's no longer bound by vow not to harm the Palestinian chief. Isn't that, isn't that being a little more pugnacious than he's been willing to be up till lately? It's definitely seemed to support Sharon even more, you know, as if Sharon needed any more uh, green lights from Bush and his administration. Um, it seems like very open-ended now. You don't think he'd do it, do you? It's very hard to predict. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't trust, you know, whatever Sean says. You know, I, I think, and my lesson was from following, him, following his um, political life, is that you really need to only watch what he's doing. Um, very much you need to disregard, you know, what he promises to do. Sure. Because he has a plan, you know, he has an agenda that has been there, you know, since since the establishment of Israel, since he started his career in the army. Yeah. Um, I think he has an agenda, you know, he basically feels that maybe there's no way to um, create the Nakba that was done in 48, but he is trying to find the second best thing to that. Um, and to me, all the other things that he, all the statements that he made concerning um, any Palestinian issue, um, I would disregard it. I would just watch what happens. You yeah. know? And I basically, I feel that this is really up to, you know, grassroots movement um, in Israel and outside of Israel. I mean, I feel that, you know, the public would have to get involved in it. Yeah, and, so. and basically, that's what I'm 
by sharing you know information on um, on my show, this is really what I try to sure. relay to people that it's really crucial that people would get in touch with the representatives. You know, let them know that people get the information that they do know what's going on, and if they feel differently than the administration does. They should voice their opinion. Yeah. Well, we want we want to help you get that message out there. Yeah. But uh, but let's just return one final bit to, about about Vanunu. What's going to happen to him at this point? What amazes me is that he told the world that Israel had about a hundred nukes, and now it's sort of like, oh, okay, they do. So what? How could they have imprisoned this man for eighteen years for what everybody seemed to have known? Well, it was, you know, making a public statement on that. And the fact that he was an insider, he was within, you know, the manufacturing facility uh, and having the first-hand um, knowledge, I think laid, you know, a lot of weight and credential to that. I mean, there were assumptions in the West to to what's going on and what is Israel really doing, you know. Is it only, you know, for energy, you know, electricity, power. Well, now, what, what was that the contention of the Israeli government, that this is not a nuclear bomb program, we're just doing this for nuclear energy? In, in the beginning, in the beginning, that was the line that, you know, we are not doing, and then there was silence about it. And what is also interesting about this whole case is that quite a few people, um, when the case first blew up and he was brought back um, into Israel after he was kidnapped in Europe right. and brought back and was put on trial. Some people who were n- not necessarily close to administration, but, you know, mainly in, uh, investigative journalists said that, you know, this was such a lame case if if the Mossad wasn't unable to n- track down this guy, if he was able to get, you know, Photographic equipment into the facility. Yeah, actually, he had he had the pictures, didn't he? He had pictures. Yeah, yeah. He had the pictures, which is something that didn't happen beforehand. Um, but here's this guy who is, you know, was on the university campus in Beersheba, uh, being associated with, you know, left radicals, you know, on campus. Um, very much against the Ashkenazi, you know, the East European yeah. uh, Jewish, you know, establishment, uh, very critical of uh, what has been done to his um, folks, you know, in in Israel uh, as a society at all, you know, being discriminated against, um, and you know, suddenly this guy is, you know, just like a cakewalk. You know, he goes. He gets a job there, he goes in, he takes his photographic equipment, you know, he comes out, and he's not embarrassed. being caught. They were embarrassed so, by that. Yeah, and yeah. there was a suspicion that it was all set up because Israel actually was interested in getting that knowledge out as if, you know, it was, you know, a leak, and and supposedly it was an embarrassment to the security establishment not being able to catch up. But because it was such a blatant case of, you know, such a either a major lack of the security apparatus being able to catch up with the guy, um, and the fact that he had such an easy time doing what he was able to do, um, that people were suspected that it was all a scam. 
hmm. that was laid out, which you know nobody can prove that it was um, that that was the case. But just knowing that you know we are talking about one of the most sophisticated security establishments or organizations, and not being able um, to do that basic job that they were supposed to uh, in such a high-level security facility um, was quite astounding. And people didn't know what to make of it, and that's where these assumptions came up. Um, again, what's, what's going to happen with him now? You know, I wouldn't rule out that somebody would actually try to Good God. Um, assassinate him. Um, I mean, by the great majority of um, Israelis, you know, they see him as a traitor, um, and they would like to see him gone off the face of the earth. That's horrible. I mean, it's, I quote, it's, quote, yeah. quoting yeah. Venunu, he said, I, 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 was, I was neither a traitor nor a spy. I only wanted the world to know what was happening. Yeah. I don't think any of the other countries' in intelligence services were ignorant of the fact that Israel had uh, had atomic weapons. I certainly don't think that uh, you know Egypt and or Syria, in the 1973 war. My understanding is that they knew darn well that um, that there was you know there was the possibility of atomic retribution uh, if things went badly, and yeah. we certainly have known that ever since. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how they could justify what they did, but they but they've done it. They've done it, you know, and and people claim that if it was any other country outside of the region or even actually a neighboring country, if that was the case there, you know, probably he would have gotten life, you know, for what he did. Um, And if, you know, if the society is as militarized as, you know, Israeli society um, can, you know, a matter of fact saying, you know, this is an option, you know, to get rid of the guy you know now that he is out of jail you uh-huh. know it's it's not enough you know we just want him disappeared well he okay. went in when he was 31 he's out now at age 49 and says that uh, he's you know he's defiant and says he's glad he did what he did and I, I hope he remains I hope he remains welcome and can come to the US I I sure hope so too well Gil it's always it's always interesting we would again like to remind people you're you are holding Israeli passport you grew up in Israel and are, you know, have people over there now and are very, very knowledgeable about what's been taking place. Thank you very much. All right. I'll talk to you again. Okay, I hope so. All right. This is KDVS 90.3 FM, Davis, Sacramento. I stand in Song. 